I feel like there's such this energy around it sometimes of needing to decide right now, like, oh, this date is going to be the deciding factor on if we go on another date, or this text is going to be the deciding factor on if he texts me back, or if we plan something for next weekend or whatever. It's like not every moment is the deciding factor. It actually shouldn't be. Like, it's not all riding on these singular moments. Welcome back. We're not for everyone. We're an existential commentary podcast hosted by one hater and one lover. It's me, Jess. I'm the lover. Caroline's the hater. What's up, girl? Hey, bitch. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing just fine. I immediately feel like I shouldn't have said, hey, bitch. I feel like it's too early in the episode to throw in throwing a bitch, but it's always positive. It's not too early. I embrace it. I feel like I feel like this is episode nine. Like, people know what they're in for, you know? You call me whatever you want. I know that it's a loving place, even though you're the hater. That's the whole, that's the whole bit. That's the whole, com- the complexity. Yeah, that's the whole thing. What nuance, what nuance we bring. <laughs> How are you today? Every time. I'm good. I'm dog sitting, which I, I mentioned to you. And it's just a lot of fun. It's nice to have a little companion in the house. Like, I love living alone. I have lived alone for the last several years and it's it's clutch it's like the only thing that makes sense to me (laughs) but having a dog is so fun but also a dog that I only have for like four days and then I don't have to worry about you know yeah a dog a dog you can also abandon is the ideal (laughs) dog to me (laughs) yeah yeah I appropriately abandoned appropriately abandoned you're being an uncle you're a dog uncle oh thank you for saying uncle and not aunt yeah it never even occurred to me to call you an aunt (laughs) (laughs) is it because of my bde or is it because aunts are just more present than uncles and maybe it's both (laughs) you have total uncle energy i feel like oh my it's a huge (laughs) it's a huge compliment it's a huge compliment Oh, I'm close with a lot of my uncles. Like, I have great... That's a compliment for me. Yeah, Yeah. it shows. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It shows. You were also complimenting me earlier this week about my relationship with my dad. You were like, you have such a friendship with your dad. It's so nice and fascinating. I guess I am just like, just this dude in a... (laughs) No, just this guy that wants to bond with the older men in my life. <laughs> you're, just, you're just an uncle caught in a young millennial lady's body. But <laughs> I am fascinated by your relationship with your dad. You know, when you share things about like, you went to visit Chicago and you're like texting about like how Chicago was. And not that I can't do that with my parents, but in some ways I can't. You know, we all have our different things. Um, I do have a certain friendship with my dad, but it's more... I don't know. It's evolved a lot, but I just like, I love the little peaks that I get into your relationship with your dad. It, I just like want to learn more sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear that. I mean, that's just what it is though. It's peaks. It's like, I I'll mention little tidbits and those are obviously like the positive tidbits. And I do have a generally really positive relationship with my dad, but even still like the little mentions here and there are always going to be like, those highlight moments it's not like constant that we're texting in those ways or talking in those ways but I think he's really self-aware and can have really good conversations about laws and is open to learning and growing and that's like all you can ask for from a parent that's in their 60s and like most people want to stop growing by that time oh my god not something I really value about my dad so but going back to the thing about like me wanting to, I guess, connect with <laughs> uncles, older men, dads, whatever, having this connection. Um, I have a segment that came to me this week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it Stranger Danger. And the reason is that I have already mentioned on the podcast many times little stories of how strangers just open up to me and I start bonding with them. My Airbnb <laughs> host a few weeks ago. My nightmare. My nightmare. Right. <laughs> The nail lady in LA that I gave a hug to at the end of our session, um, like I've opened myself up to our our listeners and told them to DM me post breakup, which several of them have, and I'm like loving it. I've talked about how my therapist and I say I love you at the end of our sessions. Like I have 
poor boundaries with people that are supposed to be just like any other person in my life. Maybe I pay them for a service. Maybe I, maybe I don't really know them. And I like let them right in and I'm calling it stranger danger. This week I had a story. So the, the segment is just me sharing those stories of like times when these random people tell me way too much or overshare this week. I Can had... I ask a question? Yeah. A question about when you call it stranger danger, it makes me want to ask something I want to ask anyways, which is like, what is your general feeling about this? Like, is that this is a, a dynamic you love? It energizes you or, or is it, or is the attitude like, how do I keep getting in this position? It's not good. Um, cause I, I think it sounds like a neutral thing that some people find connection over and some people don't. And I will tell you who is who. Yep. Um, it's kind of both. I think it depends on the day. Like if I'm energized by it or if I'm like I have no fucking time for this or space for this why do people always think that I'm down for that like what is it about my face that tells you to talk to me I don't want to talk to you half the time it's that and the other half of the time I do embrace it I think overall as much as it can be an annoyance I do I am a little bit tickled by the fact that people feel like comfortable around me or something like I I'm choosing to big compliment yeah, I'm choosing to interpret it as a compliment. It is. Even on the days when I like don't really want it, I'm interpreting it positively from their standpoint. So it is. It's a superpower. It's a superpower. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of both. But like some days I don't want to deal with it. Like with my therapist, yeah, at this point we're like best friends. So that's cool. But um, with my dermatologist, when he's venting to me about how the people in his office don't know how to do their jobs and like trying to confide in me about the operations of his business and whether he's like approaching it the right way. And have you ever mentored people? Do you have direct reports? And I'm like, take care of the thing on my back. Like I want to get in and get out, please. Sounds like you, it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like I'm mentoring you right now. Are you? Yeah. Am I your mentor? And then I, yeah, I had two appointments with him this week on Monday. That was the conversation. All of a sudden he just decided to, let me know that he's having struggles with the employees in his office and ask me whether it's I so inappropriate. It was so inappropriate. And one of them even walked in during the session to help him with something. And he continued. He did not stop <laughs> just because one of them walked in. I was like, she must be one of the favorites, maybe, or maybe this is just like an extremely abusive environment. Um that was Monday. Friday I had a follow-up appointment that had to be like the same week. And he walks in and he's like you know, I've been thinking a lot about our conversation from Monday. I'm like, what? Like, I'm not your therapist. You've been thinking a lot about our conversation in which you made me extremely uncomfortable talking about the politics of your office. Anyway, he's going to make some changes at at the operational level. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's weird that he just started telling me this stuff. And I was, I just realized this happens to me all the time and I need to I need to name it and I need to talk about it. Well, you got, you can figure it out when you guys have a in your follow-up meeting where you talk about his plan of action for the next work quarter. <laughs> I just thought of another example that I've shared before with you. The story that I talked about on your YouTube channel about that woman on the airplane who told me that I have a yeah. comforting presence, a chill presence or something. What is this, Caroline? I don't want it. Like on an airplane, I don't want it. When I have my top off at the dermatologist, I don't want it. Like <laughs> there, oh, shit. there are certain oh, times shit. when I don't want it. <laughs> Other times if my top is off, I might want it. Not in this doctor's office. Yeah, it is definitely a superpower. I think that's a skill that lots of people would like kill to have. I actually do relate to it. I think that I can, I don't know, like making people feel comfortable and heard. Um, I think I've gotten myself into a lot of tricky situations. And um, it's it's actually like just because you can be a caretaker doesn't mean that you should be all the time. It's actually something I think I'm like pretty good at, but I I choose not to enact it that much. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Do you do you think that you send signals? Like are there tips that I can take from you of sending signals when you don't want that or is it more like you just don't engage when that begins? Like how do you put that wall up a little bit more. I I do think that um people it sounds like people interpret you and I like the read a book by its cover version. I think people interpret us differently. I've always heard throughout my life 
like I, um, that I, I seem mean before they met me. I seem like a bitch before they met me. I literally had a friend I did improv with and she became one of my closest friends. Um, I remember her saying this and I felt like she just captured it so well. She was like, before I knew you, I thought you were a total bitch, but now I know you're just a love bug. And, (laughs) and I loved that term love bug. And I was just like, yeah, that's the theme I've heard like pretty much my whole life. People just assuming I think because I like stand in corners or a lot or because I have like kind of angry looking eyebrows or I'm pretty anxious and I don't like go up to people. I don't initiate conversation. I cross my arms a lot. People often think I'm really standoffish. Um, so that's not a problem. I don't know if you can work on scowling more. I do definitely mm-hmm. have the resting bitch face. Well, you said you stand in corners. I, I don't know if I stand in corners. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> I stand in corners a lot. Like I'm never approaching the group unless it's a group I'm already comfortable in okay but I have set limits on when I get into troubles like when I start talking to people I really want to make both of us feel comfortable I want to and I can I eliminate the awkward silences I can ask follow-up questions I can like make them feel heard and I can do all those things because I I feel those things I feel that fear and that anxiety and so I know what comforts me I think I know how to do it for other people but I have gotten into repeated situations with people attaching to me. It does happen a lot with men um, that like, I just try to make them feel so heard in a moment and it, it miss it actually misrepresented to them what my intentions were and it misrepresented like what we're looking for, you know, any friendship, romantic relationship, any of it platonic or not, you have to be kind of on the same page of what you're looking for. And I found that I have like a co- the compulsive need to make people feel comfortable is actually unfair to them because it misrepresents what I'm available for. I feel like I've worked on letting things be uncomfortable more, letting the conversation die a little more. Long term, I found I just had to end up disappointing people anyway. If the goal is to like never disappoint anyone by communicating that you can be everybody's best friend, you're just setting them up for like later deeper disappointment. Um, I think that's kind of like the change. I'm still working on doing it, but. Right. Yeah. I hear you. If you set that precedent early on, the one of your earliest conversations with somebody is that point of like connection and them confiding in you and whatever, then they think that they have a safe space to return to. And I don't ever want it to feel like not a safe space, but I also don't need it to be the go-to for everyone. So that's something that I like definitely struggle with and, and work on. And I also really relate to what you said about like it happens with men a lot because I feel like when I was dating a lot, I would go on dates and it would basically be like a therapy session for these guys. Like they haven't had someone to like just listen to them and affirm them. And then finally, after it happened a few times, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, because they because le- after that they kind of like got what they needed and then they disappear or they or they or they can attach to you long term for that. It's like either way, it's not what I want. Yeah, it's a quick fix in the moment. I can make sure this person relates to me as a therapist in the moment and like maybe needs me for that. So it's it's comforting to my ego. This is my how I experience it. Yeah, but long term, it's actually going to leave both of us dissatisfied. And I think you and I talked privately before about the dynamic, which is really uncomfortable of when someone is approaching you, man or woman, whoever, um, and they're interested in more of a friendship than you have capacity for. And maybe you really like that person, but like you can't have a hundred best friends. And that's something that's been a really painful lesson for me to learn. I think because I've spent so much time being the lonely person, so much time being the person who like, I desperately need a friend and other people weren't available. And that's really heartbreaking. And then when you're on the other side of it, I've wanted to almost like give, like pay it forward and be like, this person needs a friend. Let me just be the friend. But if you truly don't have capacity for it in your schedule and in your life, if you're not upfront about the limits of the energy and the amount of time you have to give to someone, you can actually keep them from being able to like move on and look for that somewhere else. Like, I feel like I have misled people before because I'm like, well, I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to do this, but I don't have room for like, whatever kind of friendship and um and then it, i just feel like i just like hurt people slower mm. longer <laughs> yeah. i don't know if it was better it's a tricky conversation i think it it can sound shitty to say but there's people who have i still in my life who i was like oh i wish 
they could have been like, I wish that person and I could be even better friends, but they're not looking for that in their life right now. It's just a matter of like logistics and being on the same page. There's plenty of people in my life who I'm like, we're, we're acquaintances, but I actually wish we were better friends and they're not in the market for it. And it still is disappointing. It's not even really an insult. It's not their fault. And it's not like no one's done anything wrong, but it feels so uncomfortable to be the one to deliver that to somebody else. Yeah. This is turning into the therapy conversation that I had with Barbara earlier this week, because I I expressed to her that I feel like I, my plate has become so full lately and it's with great things. Like I'm not complaining. Like I've been doing, taking on a lot more of things that really fill me up and light me up and like that I've been wanting like this podcast, but a a bunch of other things too. And I'm still adjusting to like, how do I balance that? We talk about diversified fulfillment all the time. And I feel like there's still a flip side. There's a flip side to everything of like, yes, that is a great way to find fulfillment, but also then balance becomes really difficult. And something that I never want to let go of like I am so attached to my relationships and the people in my life and I want to be it's like been a pillar of who I am that I'm there for the people in my life and that like my relationships are the most important to me and I don't want that to change but maybe there still need to be like micro shifts within it and I'm coming to terms with that so I was giving Barbara an example of a scenario where I just felt like I couldn't still be like the level of friend to certain people in my life that really expect more from me, like expect what I was giving them a year or two ago before my plate got this busy. And she was like, what would it look like to just be honest with them? And I was like, what are you saying? Like, how do I, and it's crazy because we talk about you and I talk about how like honesty is the answer all the time, but it's the hardest thing. I was like, so how? The hardest thing. The hardest thing. How are you suggesting that I tell this person I don't have time for them anymore? I had time for you last year, but I don't have time for you this year. Like, what? Yeah. It is. It Yes. It's one of those things that's like such a, it's like in a nebulous relationship that doesn't have, it is very difficult conversation. It's very uncomfortable because it feels like there's not space for such shift. It's very uncomfortable. It totally is. But I would actually push back and say, I get the value of like, I don't want any of my relationships to get less of me um, through the things I do in my life. I don't think that's even possible. I don't think it's realistic. And I have veered, um, I think I started out in a direction where I would get really consumed. I could totally blow my friends off. I'd get consumed in a new relationship I had or get consumed by something I had. And and it was a problem. I think how I kind of disappeared from stuff a lot. So I'm not endorsing that, but like, do you have more hours in the day? Are you getting more hours in the day when you take on a new job or when you take on a new passion or like, are you getting more energy somewhere? Do you somewhere have like, do you now have a greater supply of energy? No, these things are finite. Like they're set. And when somebody, um, I think it's actually like normal to sometimes have to go head first into something for a limited amount of time. I don't know how you would start a business without being like obsessive about it for a period of time. I don't know that you can actually fall in love with someone without being obsessive about it for a period of time. I don't think things are in perfect balance all the time. And it's kind of, it feels more to me like there's like a process of cycling through it. And I think a lot of people will understand that. Some people won't, but it's true for everyone. Like if you had a family, let's say like the new endeavor in your life wasn't a podcast. Let's say it was like you had a family. Would that feel like a more legitimate reason to like see your friends less it's usually exactly what happens for people but we've just decided that like one of these investments justifies it more and one doesn't but they're if they're all different areas of fulfillment like you can't just add more stuff in and have like you what what are the fucking laws of physics transitive property <laughs> something about that matters matter is not yeah. created or destroyed <laughs> or like what's the fucking thing i don't know you're don't so know. right i i think it's a myth that you're going to have it all in balance. And, and I think it's a myth that it's bad to be obsessed with something for a period of time. I think I, I would regret like being on my deathbed and be like, I only ever prioritized work. But like you prioritize your work for like a year or a period or two years or six months, or you prioritize being someone you're falling in love with. Yeah, I really needed to hear that. I like that a lot. I just think for the next couple of years, like I'm ready to go all in on this part of my life and like 
it's the most important and not at the complete loss and sacrifice of my relationships and myself and all these other things, but like the waiting has to shift a little bit or the energy that I have to give to the other things has to shift. Like energy is a huge one that you mentioned. Like maybe that can't look how it used to and the right friends are going to be cool with that. But then that turns into this other thing of feeling like this voice in my head of people thinking, oh, Jess isn't as fun anymore or like Jess is changing or like, you know, that and, and oh. I am. And it's not bad. It's you not are bad just, change. hey, you are changing. But there's such a negative connotation with, you know, people commenting, like, you're different now. Not that anybody's, anybody's given me that comment. It's like the voice in my head is giving me that comment and there's a negative association with it. But like, yeah, I am different. Isn't that the fucking point? But even when you talk about like wanting to like not lose yourself, like how is working on the thing you love and are excited about and are energized by like not part of yourself? That is, that's part of not losing yourself. And I guarantee you, like, I don't want to trivialize it by saying those moments aren't so hard because I definitely, I definitely experienced the same thing. I spent the last year working a hundred hour weeks. Like you think I was seeing people? You think I was showing up in a good way? No, I was not. And um, I guess there's some parts that I'm still figuring it out, but like there are some ways to communicate it where to let people know that like, it's not just like me and you, it's not just like, I'm trying to edge you out of my life. It's like, this is the bigger thing I'm trying to figure out how to balance and I'm I'm really struggling to figure out how to balance it and you are a person included in that it's not specific to you things do feel a little different right now I care about it though like I care about it and I see it and I also want to say that like every single one of those people even the ones especially the ones who will get mad at you like they're gonna have things come up in their life that they will they will see you less for like they will see you less for them that's and that's not it's just not bad it just happens. But what's tricky is when everyone's on different timelines, like those things come into people's lives at different times. And then it's so tough. Like when I'm really free and no <laughs> one's free, I'm like, what the fuck yeah. could you guys all be doing right now? I'm free. I'm bored. What the fuck are you doing? And then when I'm busy and someone texts me, I'm like, delete my number. <laughs> delete my number. How dare you not know? Forget you ever knew me. Yeah. yeah don't know me in this time. Yeah. How dare you? It's very, we're, we're all just very self-involved in that way. How dare You're you so right. be experiencing something different from me? Is the feeling. This was another, such an important point that you made about, you know, for me, maybe right now it's the podcast, but for someone else, right now or for me in the future it could be starting a family or this you never blame somebody for oh they had a kid and they disappeared like some people do some people do blame people and that is also crazy that is also crazy oh that is crazy i mean i would never blame somebody for that but you're i guess you're right now that i think about it i've heard it in my head that's more justifiable or something like that's more the norm i mean i think this gets into a whole other conversation of people at work at work I work with a ton of young parents and they get to sign off at five because they have to go pick up their kid, but I don't get to sign off at five. I mean, I do anyway, because I, that's my boundary that I set and something I prioritize and I don't care if that bothers somebody, <laughs> but the, um, the norm, you have a baby, you have a baby and it's called not for everyone. Yeah. But guess what? Even if I didn't, even if I had nothing else I was doing, just because somebody has a baby or someone has a podcast or someone has a dog or someone whatever doesn't mean that they have any more right to like set those boundaries. Like even if I had no reason to want to like change and shift things with my friends other than just me wanting to be alone in my home more. Like that should You're still, still be like allowed. being a whole person. Yeah. Yes. This literally came up at my at my tech job one time and my boss, God bless her, like completely called it out. I was in a meeting with like my boss and like another guy I worked with and super nice guy, but he went on, what did he say? He was talking about the holiday and he was like, I know things are busy for people at the holiday, everybody who has kids or, you know, or like has dogs. And then my <laughs> boss chimed in and she was like, also people who don't have kids and who don't have dogs like are busy. Good for her. It was so, you know, he didn't mean anything by it. I think he was actually trying to like include everyone's situations. 
But the situation that usually doesn't get included is just like that a single person is also a whole person. I actually have to clock off at five because I need to get my ped egg and get all of this <laughs> old skin off of my feet. That is on my to-do list. And that is important. And don't tell me that I, I need to Please. go to my dermatologist because he's expecting a therapy session with me right now. Like, I gotta he's go. <laughs> I have a I have a work goal setting meeting planned with right. my wax specialist really needs to talk tonight. Yeah. No, it 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 is so true. It all ripples into each other. There is so much guilt associated with like shifting priorities and things changing and like the changing time and energy you have for different things. And I am I am like feeling it right now. I just thought bringing reality to diversifying your life is an important thing to mention here because we've touted that so much but it doesn't make it doesn't make it easy i can lighten i can lighten it up though do it i have <laughs> i have some revelations i have like a dating i have a dating revelation that i, I thought it. i wanted to share yeah please i so i'm i'm dating again not steve is not in the picture i don't think it was in the cards for us although i did enjoy him a lot. Anyway, I'm dating and celibate. Right. I'm so celibate right now. And I'm so excited about it. It just feels right for me. I don't think it's right for anyone or anyone or like, I don't know what's right for anybody. I don't even know what's right for me. I'm just saying it feels correct for me right now. In this moment. Yeah. In this in this one literal moment, I'm not having sex. <laughs> so thanks for taking a break to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I had this thought the other day where I was reflecting on how precious I get about dating. I went on a few dates with somebody that I was like, oh, this is fun. I like went on some fun dates. He does not get a name. I don't know if he's a character in my life in any way, but they were fun dates, whatever. And I'm immediately like, oh, 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 how could I ruin this? Like so precious about like doing things right and saying things right. It's the opposite of, I think everything that people do say they enjoy about me with my friends, with my family on YouTube, like I'm bold, I say what I mean. It just disappears when, with men. It just disappears. I'm very weak. And like, I have to like get it all right or I'll mm -hmm. scare them away. Mm -hmm. And then recently, I don't know why I just had the feeling of like, it doesn't have to be going well. Like I don't, I, you know what? I was like, this actually doesn't need to be going well. Like the things I say don't need to be good or like, <laughs> I don't not need to be scaring them away. Like, scare them away, whatever. Like, I just don't think that finding the person is, like, hell. It's, like, all riding on me, like, acing shit. Which, maybe that's a no-duh kind of thought. But I just had the thought. It's, like, my mantra now. I'm, like, this actually, like, this doesn't need to go well. And that is okay. That's my new, that's my new thought. I had after a date where I said some, like, I did some weird, weird ass shit. I would love to be a fly on a wall during your dates, like to just know what you're describing because I don't know. To me, even when you do weird shit, it's so freaking endearing. Like it's so, it's you. So it's great. Like I don't, I, and I'm sure that a lot of the guys you're going on dates with feel the same way. Like you think something's fucking weird or whatever. And it's actually exactly the reason they're sitting across from you. But, I will resist my urge to turn everything positive and instead just respond to what you said, which is like, <laughs> yeah, just let me, <laughs> just let me let it suck. <laughs> I just know that like, you know, I'm not here to convince you that it's, that it's anything, whatever. If that's what you're experiencing, that it's going that well, it's going well. It's because it doesn't have to be. I love that. I love that reminder. It doesn't have to be going well. Like who cares? Also something you said reminded me of this. I took this tidbit from like a dating podcast or something. Um, a couple years ago, I think it was the You Up podcast with like Betch's You Up podcast. A lot of the stuff they say on that podcast, I disagree with or I take with a grain of salt. But this thing I held on to because I used to get so precious. I like that word, like so picky about and nitpicky about every little word that I'd say in a text exchange or every little moment. Like, did I handle that the right way or in a way that they would like? And yeah. Or when something felt... Did I handle it in a way a human would? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, like, having... I think that's rooted in a fear that any wrong step and they will leave. For me, that's that's what it was rooted in. It's like, oh, if I misstep at all... Yes, totally. they're going to break up with me or they're not going to want to go on another date or they're going to ghost me and stop texting me, whatever. And 
on this podcast, they said at some point, like, nobody breaks up with somebody because of one text or because of one, like, moment. Like, and if they did, that's kind of a sociopathic thing to do. Like, one text, I mean... Or it just means there wasn't a, there wasn't enough of a foundation of them liking you beneath it. Like, the things I let people get away with once I decide they like I like them. Totally. You know, it's... Totally. I'll, I'll give you, do you want a? Yeah, want a give me an it? example. What I do. Yeah, what I do. What I did, what I did I do. This wasn't even that bad, but I, I spent the rest of the evening cackling, cackling about it. Went on a date with this guy. Super nice guy. Super fun guy. I appreciated that he was asking me a lot of questions about myself. Love. They love, don't usually. Ask me a lot of questions. Usually they don't. And um, he asked me what's your favorite concert that you've been to in the last five years? Terrifying question to me. (laughs) I hung my head, (laughs) hung my head, racked my brain. All I can think about is the fact that I really don't like concerts. I don't enjoy crowds. I don't like being near strangers. I don't know what to wear, what to do with my body. I don't like loud noises. I like music, but I don't like concerts. I couldn't think of a single concert I've ever been to. The last concert maybe I went to was the first concert. Sheila, our friend Sheila, yeah. took me to see Green Day when I was in ninth grade. At the 930 Club. At the 930 Club. I wore a jean skirt, and she let me know that was not the right thing to wear <laughs> a concert for Green Day. She was right. She was right. I think I might have been there. That, that You actually might have been. I've been to two concerts with you. Actually, I don't know if that was the 930 Club. Yeah. I, think that was the I don't think it was. But we've It was been a to, bigger place. We've been to two concerts together. One of them was at the 930 Club with Sheila. And it was like probably like Fallout Boy or something, Motion City soundtrack. And then the other one was John Mayer. What? I've been to a John Mayer concert. We have pictures from it, which the is why fuck? I that's you crazy. have with me. I definitely forced you. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you were at. I don't think you were at the Green Day concert, but I did. I did cry. I did. I ended up crying. Oh. It was my first concert. I was thirteen. I ended up crying because I wanted to be taken home so badly. I got so stressed out being um, in this environment. And that's kind of how it's continued. Like, I just don't, whatever. So he asked me what my favorite concert was. And uh, questions about music always stress me out. I never feel like I have a satisfying and definitely not a cool answer for people. And I never know what to say. I truly, like, hung my head and just, like, in silence, way too long of a silence, debated, like, should I lie about my whole personality as I answer this question or should I answer the fucking question? And eventually I like looked back up at him and I was like, you know, I really don't like concerts. Good. And he, he like didn't move. <laughs> he, like, didn't, he like didn't say anything. There was just like this long moment while he absorbed it. And in that moment, in that moment, I remembered that he was a musician currently on tour with his band. (laughs) (laughs) And then, in that moment, in that moment, I did the only thing I ever do when I've completely done the wrong thing, said the wrong thing, ruined something in a way that like I couldn't even have dreamed up, which is to start cackling. I laughed so hard because as uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as I am, I can immediately appreciate the story, the narrative. I'm always living in the narrative of like how badly I fucked up answering this question, how much I just insulted this man's dreams to his face and said, I don't like his dreams. And, um, I just kept, I couldn't stop laughing. And then I just decided, I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I don't even know. Like I didn't, I didn't take it back. Like days later, I even thought about like taking it back or being like, you know what I meant by that is like, I, I do like music. I just get overwhelmed in concerts or like, I've just let it be like, I don't have to be doing this. Well, I don't have to be doing it. Well, I did it honestly. And that's enough, whatever. So you cackled and then like nothing happened and the conversation moved on. Like you didn't add, you didn't add anything. He didn't respond anything. It just ended with a cackle. He like kind of laughed or like gasped or something. And I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm just like, I gotta be myself or something like that kept laughing and at some point funny he did kind of concede he was like you know I don't really like concerts either like I like performing in concerts and I was like yeah yeah like he kind of 
tried to bridge the gap for me. Um, I think I, I blacked out after that. I don't even remember what else happened, but I was just like, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot what you're, what you do. <laughs> but I, have you talked since then? Have you been talking? Um, we have been talking. We have a date tonight. Okay. You know why? The couple things. First of all, you were yourself. So that's always going to win. Even, and if a person doesn't like you for being yourself, yeah, fine. Go away. Like you've said that yourself. So even though that I need, I'm, I'm trying to run towards rejection because people are going to add this, how I think about it. Like people are going to reject me regardless. Yep. And I, I would like to, I do actually want to get it over with sooner. I keep dating guys for like nine months. Well, after they've decided they don't like me, I just want to, I'm trying to embrace the rejection faster. Just go through the cycle quicker. Yeah. I like that. Getting faster at, at like knowing when something's not working is definitely a good thing to practice and a skill. So I'm with you there, but also there's this book. I have not read it. I won't read it. I've heard mention of it. I've heard tell. Yeah. Don't, Um, but (laughs) it's (laughs) it's called why men love bitches. And I just feel like there's something to that, you know, grain of salt, won't read the book, whatever. But the fact that you didn't care that he's a musician and you just said you don't like concerts and obviously you were being yourself. It wasn't scripted. Like, I don't think it works to purposely be trying to be weird or trying to be kind of bitchy or trying to be something that will unsettle them. I think if you're trying too hard to do that, it's not going to work. But if you naturally did something like that. Because then you're just, again, not being yourself. Right. People can detect that. But if that just naturally happens and he's kind of like, this bitch doesn't care that I'm a musician and she just said that anyway, like that's kind of hot. That's kind of endearing. That's kind of enticing. So I actually think, I don't know, all the more reason to keep being yourself, but I wish I could have been there for that moment to laugh at you, (laughs) (laughs) to cackle with you. I was immediately laughing, which that is what I will do. I will immediately, like the worse I blow something up, I'm immediately like laughing in their face and not in their face. I'm actually laughing in my own face, in the face of myself of the past. <laughs> of of the five seconds ago? <laughs> of five seconds ago, that fucking idiot. But yeah, and I don't even think that's the worst thing I do. I feel like the the more, like that was making me laugh for days. I was just like, wow, how did I even come up with that answer? But um, but really the things I will do over more are just like sending like an over people pleasery text or just like responding to things that I'm like, why are you being such a pussy about this? Like you would never talk to a friend this way. But yeah, uh, things don't have to go well and they won't. They don't have to go well. I really like that mantra. It's like freeing. Um, another thing that's kind of overlapping that I tell myself in dating is like getting to know a person. Like it's not show up and be perfect and decide yes or no right now. It's like, over time, noticing and learning and observing and taking note. So I feel like there's such this energy around it sometimes of needing to decide right now, like, oh, this date is going to be the deciding factor on if we go on another date, or this text is going to be the deciding factor on if he texts me back, or if we plan something for next weekend or whatever. It's like not every moment is the deciding factor. It actually shouldn't be. Like, It's not all riding on these singular moments. So yeah, I'm with you. The other thing, segue a little bit into another, it's not a segment, but it's a topic I wrote down because you talked about how- What are we calling segments? Everything is just, (laughs) a segment is just something I want to say right now. We should just start saying, I want to say something right now. Yeah. Well, I think I actually was reflecting on that this week and I was like, you know what? I kind of like that our segments are like satirical of podcasts. Like we're making fun of podcast segments by calling just sentences that we want to say. Segments. This is a segment. I realized the other day that anytime I make an Instagram story about YouTube, I always call it an announcement and it's never an announcement. I'm just talking. I'm just talking. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I mean, yeah. It's just words, but like, it's a segment of time. So it's a segment. Um, You were talking about music and how you always get uh, insecure or something when the question of music comes up. And I feel like we all kind of do. 
I would love to meet someone who's like super confident about their music taste and can answer that question in a way where they just feel like I'm fucking cool because I don't know, that's impossible to me. Um, And I wrote down a related thought recently, which was how infrequently our opinions of music, but also of like TV, just content and media and like art, how infrequently our opinions of art are actually our own. I feel like so often we just find things that other people told us about and other people told us are good. And then we decide they're good too a lot of the times. Like, because of what we think it says about us. I think, yes, most people's answer is to reflect a statement about themselves as opposed to like, this is what I genuinely listen to. I, I have a real, I have a, a, I will say a kind of cringy story about the music answering question, not the one I just told, an additional one. Okay, please go for it. This has stayed with me for years. This is in high school. I was kind of going out with this guy I really liked, and he asked me like my, and I was actually, this was pre-Spotify, so I, I had discovered even less music. I didn't really grow up with music. I grew up on classical music. That's all I played violin. We all played classical instruments. My family only listened to classical music. They said, I remember my mom or dad, I think it was my dad specifically being like Billy Joel. He's like too modern. Like that's what the standard was. Mm, Wow. And so we really didn't have any exposure to most pop culture, especially not music. Um, So terrifying question. And I remember being asked by this guy, Andrew Finkelstein. I'm going to say his name because he's not fucking I remember that person. You remember Andrew Finkelstein? I was fucking in love with him. He hated me. He hated me. I just like as soon as you said that name, a memory was unlocked of like a book of memories of you guys dating. Actually, <laughs> the, the wow. book of Andrew Finkelstein, dude. Yeah. If you're out there listening, welcome. Uh, I wish you all the best. <laughs> but he asked me. I remember he asked me what kind of music I listened to, and I didn't know, and so I just said hard rock. Stop. I like did. I was like, that's an answer. That's like a cool answer. <laughs> hard rock. What even is hard rock? I like Green still Day. Really know. I went to a Green Day concert in a denim <laughs> skirt recently. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually kind of odd. That was kind of an honest answer then. And then I remember there was something weird. Like I knew I hadn't like really answered the question the right way. Maybe he like laughed or I don't know. Months later. I met some friend of his and he was like, oh, Caroline, you know, Caroline, I'm nice to meet you. I'm whatever, whatever. And he was like, oh, Caroline, are you the hard rock girl? And he Stop. like said it to me. And oh. I, I've never been, he was like, you're the one who likes hard rock. And he like said it in this way that I was like, oh my God, this was literally like a story. No. They like told behind my back. I was so mortified and it was, it really, it like really hurt my feelings and I was like, I feel like I've been traumatized since. And I was like, yeah, that was a a pretty stupid answer, right? I guess I'm pretty stupid. That is so miserable. I'm I'm like not okay hearing that. And I'm so sorry that happened to you, question mark. We talk about a lot of like- Like I really- I That's traumatic. Yeah, it really came back to me. Not just the feeling of like, I know I'm not answering this right, but like it came back months later, months later. He had at least told his friend enough about it that it was a notable story that the friend remembered it months later. I mean, what an asshole friend though for bringing that up. Like, and that's just something that I guess would only happen in high school, I hope. The fact that you're supposed to know that, oh, my buddy told me this story about this girl. I don't repeat it to her, let alone to anybody else. So it was pretty mean. That's pretty mean. <laughs> oh, I felt pretty bad about myself for the next 15 years. Yeah. And you've never listened to hard rock again. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what it is. I still don't know what it is. You never listened to it then either. Rock? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't really grow up around like strong musical influence either. My parents don't really listen to music. Like, And if they did, it was either they were listening to Arabic music, but that was even rare. Like they weren't playing that around the house all the time. It would be like when my uncles came over and they'd, you know, be getting together with family, maybe they would put on some Arabic music. Other than that, the uncles are here. The uncles dedicated to you this episode. (laughs) I do owe my uncle a call. So this is my uncle episode. This is the uncle episode. Not for uncles. Actually, very much for uncles. Um, Only for uncles. Very much for uncle energy. (laughs) Only for (laughs) Jessica's uncle that she owes a call. Yeah, so they didn't really play a lot of music. And 
I feel like the only exposure I then had to music was pop music, like just whatever people were listening to, what was on the radio, what people at school were listening to. And I feel like that stuck with me to this day. Like I don't have a cool, refined music taste. I listen mostly to popular things. I mean, there are certain genres I like more and I have favorite artists and maybe there's a couple artists I like that are like a little bit more niche, but in general, I don't know how to discover new music. I don't know how to even like really discover my music taste. You have to like make it a hobby. You have to like kind of put energy towards it. I put a little more towards it in recent years, but like it, you have to like, that has to be like something you're working on discovering and exposing your taste to. And I, I don't know, I do that for interior design and I do that for like content and like writing and like, I don't, I I don't do it that much with music. And it's so funny that that is kind of upheld as like the pinnacle of cool still. Yeah. You're right. Because I do that with like comedy. And I think a really cool thing about me is how much I'm constantly exploring comedy. Yeah. And exploring new comedians and figuring out what I like and don't and going to shows by myself. Like that's my hobby that I invest that type of energy into. And I think that's really cool. But it's not music. It's not the standard that everybody else decided is the cool thing. Yeah. Um, I have very, this is a quote from my boyfriend who, when I ask him, I often ask him like list the things that you like most about me today. And just like, tell me, <laughs> tell me. Such, such a command. I fucking love that. Today. <laughs> today. It's like, today. <laughs> there's um the reason I I'm say waiting. today, the reason I say today is because I once read that like when you ask somebody who's maybe depressed or going through something how they are, it's much easier to ask them, how are you today as opposed to how are you? And so I like to make my questions and commands very specific. Like you don't have to tell me your favorite things ever about me. That will be in- too long, impossible to conjure yeah, right well, now. There's no time. There's but no time. Too, there's no time. But today, what are the favorites? And he once said, and I like another, you know, add it to the tattoo list. But he said that I have very mid taste in music, and he was like, that, "Wait, that was it a was like a neg. Oh, it was okay. a neg." <laughs> but I took it. I mean, I took it as a compliment. He was basically saying, "Like, I like you anyway, even though you have very mid taste yeah. in music." I was well, like, "Well, you oh. know what? If I if you had perfect taste in music, then you'd just be perfect at everything. So I have to be. You would. You'd never get me off this pedestal. <laughs> well, exactly. There has to be." There has to be something I'm working towards. Otherwise, like, you know, it'd be pretty boring. I have to be relatable. Please. Thank you. I did. Yeah. And then I started a Spotify playlist called Very Mid-Taste in Music. And it's all like yeah, 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 just everything that you hear on the radio. So embrace it. Like, I don't know. There are too high expectations of everything. Of everything. That's what this episode is about. Like, stop expecting of anything. Everything. I'm, I'm so over I'm over it with expectation. I do think like every single boyfriend I've had has been very condescending to me about my music. Yeah, that's the end of that sentence. I'm, I'm, I've been pissed about it. I'm just, I guess I'm pissed. Yeah, whatever. Guys think that they have great taste in music because they like sit in their little lair jerking off and looking up music, I think. <laughs> Is that what they do? I think that's what a lot of them do. And so <laughs> I'm busy. I'm out here in the world. <laughs> doing things i'm not spending my time looking up cool music i'm just gonna listen to what i'm fed because i don't have time to do i feel i don't know it was never a hobby that i it was never a hobby that i nurtured maybe this also explains our um lack of understanding about djs (laughs) (laughs) just like neither of us knows anything about people keep sending me dj information (laughs) dj which is making me laugh so much and nothing was so funny DJs on wikipedia yeah they keep being like maybe this will help and like nothing first of all none of it is helping none of it explains none of it goes any deeper into what is dj no i've seen nothing that explains more what is dj it's just like more of the same I can't, nobody knows i can't listen to you say what is dj <laughs> like that question i wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat what is what dj is- like your voice playing in my head what is dj <laughs> oh i have a follow-up from last week okay no one cares but i'm gonna do it um i just want to close <laughs> i want to close the loop i'm gonna close the loop on myers briggs i did take the 16 personalities test which i've taken before i just forgot what the answer was and i am infj well called um 
One time I took it and it gave me ENFJ, which I think was basically because I answered two things. I'm one or the other, but I identify with more of INFJ. The ENFJ was more like you crave structure and schedules and lists. And I do not fucking crave that as Jess has learned working with me. But I have learned to I I've built a lot of them into my life in order to get the shit done that I want to get done. I'm actually very structured with my life, but it's not because I'm a structured person. And then I also answered a lot of questions about like, do you love exploring museums? And I think what they mean by those questions is like, how artistic and like theoretical and exploratory are you? Which I would say very, but I fucking hate going to art museums. And I've got a hot steamy take that Art museums slap it on me. Like most okay, I'm about to I'm about to hurt some feelings. Let me remind you. If you feel like this targets you, I still like you as a person. This doesn't mean I don't like you as a person. This has nothing to do with each other. But I feel like the creative people I know, the people who I think of as creative people, they don't like museums. Because I don't need to go to a museum and have like a hermetically sealed like quartered off experience of what art is this sounds so lame this sounds so cheesy but like I do feel like I can experience art and creativity and expression much more fully anywhere else on the fucking street at a bar with my friends in my voice memos like not that it's like it's all creation all the time it sounds so gross but going to museum feels like the most sterile environment like we have packaged and presented and like quartered off uh, some art that you can you're not really interacting with it you can absorb it it can hit you but like there's no there's no like creative uh it feels like the most sterile environment artistically to me i'm so not into art museums and i feel like that was a flaw in the test i feel like that was their way of trying to get like are you creative? I think it's kind of an inverse relationship. Anyway, I guess I think I'm fucking special, but I just wanted to share that pretty insulting hot take. Yeah. For anybody who likes museums. Yeah. Okay. First of all, thank you for circling back on the personality type. I, I freaking love it. Um, and yeah, just closing the loop is important to me. I have a list in my notes for our episodes. That's like things we need to close the loop on. And I can now check the box on that one. But more importantly, when you shared this hot take with me, it blew my mind. It made me feel so seen and so like freed of a burden that has been placed on me by everyone else because I hate museums. I've always hated museums. I've been to many. We grew up in the DC area where the Smithsonian is all around us. Like I've, we were raised on museums. I've tried it. I've done it all. I've done it all. And you know, hashtag blessed, but I never enjoyed them and I thought that something was wrong with me because I I do think of myself as an artistic person, a creative person. I love to create. I love to I love to find beauty in things and think of new things and um for the longest time there was this like duality in my head that felt at odds where I was like I think I'm a creative person but according to how society defines creativity, I'm not. So I guess I'm not And there was like shame almost wrapped up in not wanting to go to museums with my friends and not, you know, being the friend that's like, yeah, I'm out on that activity. Meanwhile, being the friend that's like, but come to my comedy show and do this with me and do that. Like all these other things that I think are creative and artsy. So when you told me that it freed me, I think of you as such an artistic, creative person, like the pinnacle of it out of all the people in my life. And that's part of the reason I wanted to work together because... I want more of that. I want access to more of that. And I don't want that access through museums. I want it through like conversation with cool people who think differently and push boundaries. And that's art. That's creativity. It just like made me feel so much better that I'm not this loser. Truly, I think there's a stigma. So even if people are insulted, there's a stigma in the opposite direction, usually. Yeah, you can enjoy, listen, you can enjoy museums and I'll still go because people are always doing that, especially in DC. Like I'll go and I'll still enjoy something about it. But to me, I feel like I get way more stimulation and like reflection on this. It, there's no way for me to say this without sounding the most pretentious. Maybe I'm pretentious. I don't know. This is just the truth. But like, I feel so much more stimulation and like interaction with the world and reflection on life and humanity and society by like sitting at a bar and people watching traffic on the corner of 14th street 
and Q in DC. Like that to me, that's the museum. Like, I don't know that it's so, it sounds so shitty to say there's so much more there than just like someone decided what to package up and like make me look at or like I can read a plaque about it or like I guess I can stand in front of it and like look contemplative until it's like societally like socially appropriate to move on to the next plaque or like what what is that well I feel like it's also pretentious of people who are such museum hoes and think that if you're not you're the uncultured swine you know like everybody's a little pretentious about this it's art (laughs) there's something inherent we're all swine we're all we're all swine we're all in the pen I, I am the most swiney. I had swine flu. <laughs> you think I'm not swine? I've done it. I've had it all. I've had swine viruses inside of me. But I will say that, I don't know, I think there's something inherently pretentious about talking about what art you like, whether it is museums or not. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Right? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I just think, like, if we're going to comment on it, either way, we're going to sound pretentious. So at least let's yeah. be honest. And this is... That's true. It, I think a lot of people are going to relate. I I think we need to admit that nobody likes museums. How about that? I think nobody likes them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think that either you own that you don't like them or you pretend to like them and you go to them because that's what society told you is artsy. Either you're a liar or you're swine. Choose which team you want to be on. (laughs) I choose team swine. That's honestly team Team swine swine. all the way. (laughs) Honesty is the best policy. Tell that guy you're dating who's a musician that you hate concerts. Oh just God. be a swine. He's literally, he's like <laughs> literally just gotten back from touring, I think. <laughs> Completely forgot. I hate what you I do. I hate your dream. I hate your dream. Uh, yeah, I wish, I'm still fascinated that you didn't just say that. Like, <laughs> oh, I, I, I just really get overwhelmed in crowds, so I'm not a big concert gal, you know? But hey, <laughs> you did what felt what came to you in the moment something after i honestly don't know i think i I truly like blacked out after that moment i stopped my brain was like you're not gonna make any more memories tonight you don't need to remember this (laughs) not blacked out from alcohol just blacked out from like that's enough you remembering your own existence we're capping cap you off we're capping what i remember of this date (laughs) yeah this is the end of it (laughs) well i feel like we did it again (laughs) um (laughs) the way you wrap up the episode it's just that, I don't know, because we just do segments that are just us talking in chunks of chunkins. Um, Maybe chunkin. Chunkin. Wrapping up is kind of a joke. hard to do. Yeah. yeah. The, the, what are we wrapping up? This was just us talking for a while. Just like a free fall? Just a free fall through a vacuum? <laughs> I guess I'll wrap up this free fall. But last week we proved, last week we proved that we can do structure and we can do cohesive yeah. thought we don't need to prove did, it every so week. did people <laughs> yeah, won't be won't be if i had to all right yeah let's cut it off they've had enough <laughs> yo dog i never know how to dial tro i'm just gonna do it i'm not gonna think about it this has been not for everyone we're an existential commentary podcast you can find us on the internet if you've ever heard of instagram uh not for everyone pod featuring the number four not number four everyone pod you can also find Jay-Z DeBakey, uh, The Good Sitter. We are up on Instagram being silly as can be almost every day, okay? What else am I going to say? I'm going to try and do this intro without ceasing to breathe. Leave us a review. I don't know. You don't have to do any of this stuff. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do an impression of what it's like to do an outro to an episode, but uh, it's not going that well. I do want to keep working on it, though. Okay? I like it so much better. <laughs> No, I like it so much better than when I just do it the normal way. (laughs) I have, yeah. Let us know what some of your favorite vibes and things are from the episodes. We do read the DMs and consider stuff from you guys a lot. So, yeah, as we're still tinkering with things, it's helpful to hear what feels energizing. I, I think our approach is like, I always want it to be a mix. I want it to be the podcast that you can turn on, whether you're in a low mood or a high mood or a medium ass mood. And you're going to get a little mix of everything. Hopefully, hopefully we'll lift you up and hopefully I'll also knock you back down. Right. Just a quick one-two punch, you know. Just a quick <laughs> one-two. Like <laughs> Leave you where we found you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But definitely message us. Tell us what you like the best. Um, also send us any, like, advice 
type of stuff that you'd want us to consider for a what to do? Oh, mm-hmm. that yes, what to do's for a what to do. We're definitely going to continue what to do. I I'm inclined to say send us your constructive feedback stuff you don't like, but actually I don't really want to hear it. Keep it, you know, don't just don't. We know what feels. Send me compliments. We know what hits hardest because it hits hardest for us. Yeah, I, I know what's bad. Tell me We're what you here like too. <laughs> We're also here listening yeah. to ourselves, and then we listen to it again and again when we edit, so we know what's oh. not as good. Speaking of which, I want to give a shout out to our beloved editor Abby, who is now editing our episodes. Luck, bitch. <laughs> yeah, we opened and ended with the bitch. Hey, bitch. Good luck, bitch. Hey, bitch. Bye, bitch. great guy wish him all the best <laughs> actually that sounded really sarcastic let me say that again Abby, don't oh. that. that sounded so sarcastic <laughs> i don't know <laughs>